Welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, and once again, switching it up a little bit today, giving Lauren and Amy the day off. Today's episode, as usual, is brought to you by Zwift. Thank you so much to everybody who showed up for Reggie Miller's ride last week. It had an incredible turnout. Really, really happy to see that. One of my favorite things about Zwift is the community that's built around it, uh, the friends that you make while riding Zwift, your Zwift buddies, and just everyone on there who's really supportive of each other. I mean, the amount of times that I've been on a ride and I see a kudos from somebody that I also know follows me on Twitter, and so I I know that there's like some crossover there, and it's really exciting to see, and I love seeing people. I know I love seeing all the flags uh, from different countries up there. So one of the best things about Zwift is the community. And especially if you get involved in some of the weekly rides, some of those rides are jam-packed with cool people that you might also want to meet in the real world. So if you haven't tried out any of the group rides on Zwift, I highly recommend it. It's really easy when you sign on to Zwift on the right-hand side. There's a list of the rides that are going on in the next day. You can just click join, warm up your legs, do a little spin, and when that ride starts, you can hop right in there. So nice and simple. Check it out, and thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. Now, this episode is a conversation with Grace Brown, who had a phenomenal season before a early end to the year due to injury. And because I, we, me, myself, and you, the listener of the podcast, really miss having Grace Yelvin on the episodes, she did the interview really awesome. Uh, Her and Grace used to be teammates, so I figured it would be awesome for them to chat with each other, catch up, and would give a little bit of a different tone to the episode. So thank you so much to Gracie for stepping into this role. Thank you to Grace Brown for her time, and please enjoy this episode of Freewheeling. So today we have the honour of having Australian writer Grace Brown and she's been with Bike Exchange for three years now um, but we'll go into her history a little bit later Um, but she had a very successful 2021 even though it was cut short so she was first at Bruges de Pan, third at Flanders, fifth at La Course, fourth at the Tokyo individual time trial and not to mention over a dozen top tens at UCI races which in my books, that's a, a very, very good season. So, Grace, how are you? My ex-teammates, long time no see. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit weird talking to you after, yeah, a year of you being off the scene, but, um, yeah, it's cool to reconnect. Um, yeah, it's just weird sort of listening to you recount my season because it seems like a long time ago now that I got those results, but it's been a good year. Obviously, ended a little bit soon, but... Yeah, I was happy with it. Have you had much time to reflect on the season, like having gone through hotel quarantine and and a few months recovering from an injury? Yeah, I I guess I reflect quite a lot during the season as well, like as I'm going through it all. But, um, yeah, especially once I was injured and I couldn't ride my bike anymore, I think it was important to yeah, think about the success that I'd had so that it, like, didn't feel like such a down. And then, 
in the end, yeah, when I look back, I see it as a successful year, not um, not a bad year, even though it was um, marred a little bit by my injury at the end. But, yeah, I've, I'm really happy with the progress that I've made and, um, yeah, always looking to find extra bits um, that I can move forward on and, like, do an even better job next year. Yeah, I think so many athletes can relate to that thinking of, you know, not looking back, only looking forwards and what you're not good at, what you need to improve on rather than, you know, giving yourself credit for the things you did really well. So um, saying that, do you have any personal highlights of this year, anything that you're proud of? It doesn't have to be a win or even a result. Yeah, I think um, probably my highlight race of the year was uh, Flanders. Um I think because it was like probably the one race that I really in my mind like targeted it and um, we had, you know, a fairly strong plan going into it and it was a scary plan and I wasn't sure if I could pull it off. But, um, yeah, I just remember going up the Kovenberg on Anna Vanderbregen's wheel and just like, yep, I'm here. <laughs> and then the plan was that I was going to attack like over the top, which is a fairly hard thing to do if you've like ever raced up the Koppenberg. Um, and yeah, I, I did that. I, in the end, Anamite came over to me and the attack got closed down, but, um, yeah, I was really proud that I could do that. And then even though it didn't work out, I continued to race and I was able to sprint for third, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that was so awesome. I I was watching it and I was like, as you know, Grace, that's probably my favourite race of all time too. So <laughs> I was very excited and, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. So I think you did exceptionally well. But I think that you're becoming known for a bit of a, an attacking style and a very bold and brave rider. So how do you see yourself? as a rider in the peloton at the moment? Yeah, um, oh, that's a hard question, but, like, I, I like being that type of rider that's, that is brave and will attack maybe not in the most obvious places, like just a bit out of instinct. Like I don't want to be, um, yeah, like pocketed as doing the same thing every single race. So there were a few races where I tried to do it a little bit differently, like La Course. Um, I really wanted to hold back a bit, little bit and um, be there and, like, sprint for the finish rather than doing, like, a flyer or something. I sort of stuffed it up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just just in some races I'm trying not to, race as typically as I usually do but I still want to hold a little bit of you know that that brave um type of racing where you just you know put it all on the line um yeah and you know racing how you want to race and and being able to dictate when and where you attack or don't attack that also you know falls under the team plan as well do you feel like you had a bit of free reign this year to try things and to succeed or fail in your own time yeah so like some races um I definitely had that free reign to to attack and um do what I needed to do obviously there were other races where I was you know in more of a support role and um 
I didn't get that opportunity to attack, even though sometimes I feel a bit itchy and like I want to go on the attack. You sort of just have to hold back and be like, it's not the race. But um, yeah, I think I think it's good to balance those things. And um, obviously when, when you attack or you're up the road, it's sort of in, so, in some ways it can take the pressure off your teammates, but it also... Um, takes an opportunity away from them as well. So uh, sometimes you need to hold back so that other people can have a go. Yeah, for sure. And and having tried a few things this year and, you know, things work and things don't, what do you think you learned personally from the 21 season? Do you think you, you took away any important lessons this year to carry into the next season? Um, oh, gosh, that's like, that's hard but I think um yeah obviously you know believing in yourself even when things are a little bit scary um yeah one of the things that I always bring it back to is like if you know we're we're all human and have like you know there's only slight differences between people and if someone else can go out and do something there's no reason why I can't um so yeah like the things that you think maybe you're not that good at just like trying them um and also yeah in some races when when you're feeling like a little bit off the mark um I mean Depane was like a, a massive example for me actually because the first half of the race I felt like I really wasn't there both mentally and physically. Like I just, I wasn't engaged with the race and I was on the back foot a little bit. Um, and then I just got to this point where I was like, nah, I need to snap out of this. I'm in a race and luckily it was like just before the crosswinds and I just jumped in um, and found myself in this like main split. And then I was just like straight into race mode. I'm like, all right, I'm here. How do I win? Um and that, yeah, that showed me that, you know, even even on those days where you don't think you've got it, you know, you can, you can turn around and you can win that race. So, um, yeah, I think that's a huge learning that, yeah, don't ever write yourself off. I think that's actually a really good lesson that you've been able to highlight and that was something that I think we all have to learn is how you feel actually becomes irrelevant when you're at the top. You know, we're all really fit. We're all at the top of our game and there's actually not that much separating the World Tour riders and, Yeah. yeah, it's about that mental attitude and I think, yeah, it's great that you've been able to articulate that because I think a lot of young riders can learn a lot just from listening to that and then and learning it themselves. Mm. Um. Following on from reflecting on your own successes, um, you're changing teams. So you've been with the Green Edge team, which is called Bike Exchange this year. You were with this outfit for three years, which is, you know, quite a lot of time. And a lot of people might wonder why you've changed. I think the Green Edge team is a bit of a, a comfortable place for Australian riders. Plus, it is one of the best teams going in a lot of people's opinions and probably, you know, we've rated it for a long time. Yeah. So you would have had to really think hard about changing from that. Um, I want to. I want you to talk us through, you know, what you've learned from being in the, the bike exchange team and then, you know, why you decided to, to move on from that. 
Yeah, I think um, obviously when I started in the world tour, like Green Edge was an obvious choice. It's like, um, yeah, it's full of Aussies, it's familiar, it's sort of like that culture that you know aspects of how it's going to operate. Like we have the same humour. Yeah, like I was really excited to to join that team and I think it worked super well for me um, for the three years that I was there. Like it it doesn't really feel like three years really, like the years go so quick. Um, And I had had a great experience and really enjoyed, um, yeah, working with all all the teammates um, and the staff as well. But, um, yeah, I guess... Like I'm the sort of person that gets hungry for change and um, and also I just felt like, you know, sometimes you need to have a new environment to, um, yeah, find those extra little bits to, to grow a little bit more. Like, yeah, just having new people around you, stop doing the same things, you know, every race. Um, yeah, so a lot of that came into it. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, I've just, I, I didn't go into this year or um, sort of the transfer period expecting to change teams. Um, I, yeah, I got a few offers and it made me really start to think about, you know, what do I want in the years to come and, like I want a full experience um, in my my pro career, and I think that involves a bit of um, yeah diversity in the experience as well. Uh, and then yeah, FDJ just um, like the way they spoke about their team and their passion and their goals for the coming years. Like it it inspired me to join the team. Um, and I really wanted to be a part of it. So, yeah, I, it was a really hard decision and I felt horrible, especially, um, yeah, telling Bike Exchange that I was leaving. But since the dust has settled, I'm I'm happy that I'm making the hard move. Yeah, I think that I can totally relate to that really difficult decision. There's a lot of conflict that goes on and, you know, it's not just a job. You're spending 24 hours a day sometimes with these people and you have this very strange connection with your colleagues you you know some of the conversations that we've had around the dinner table or on the bus like it's more personal than almost that you'd had with your best friend or your partner just (laughs) because you just you know some of the stuff we've talked about is just like we're crying laughing or it's super personal or it's gross like it's just like this they become your family and especially for Australians it's it's tough, so I can understand that it would have been hard, but I think that you've done something important and I really agree with having diversity in your career and, and learning from new people. And, and one of the gifts from cycling is that you get to spend so much time with people from lots of different countries. So I know that you speak Italian quite well and you're going into a French team. Do you have um, any goals to learn French as well or do you think you're going to live in France or will you remain in Italy? I think I'll remain in Italy. Um, yeah, I quite like my uh, being set up there, the training and the, the culture. And, 
yeah, it's close to the airport. <laughs> um, yeah, I I want to learn French. I've been doing a bit of Duolingo, but I think I need to up my game to a different learning style because it's, um, yeah, I've sort of hit a bit of a plateau with it. But, yeah, I, I don't need to learn French to, you know, be able to communicate with the team or um for races or anything but I think that it's just nice considering that they are a French team um yeah to try and learn the language to at least understand when they're speaking in French and like contribute a little bit um otherwise yeah you're sort of separating yourself a little bit I think and being a French team, I can imagine there's a lot of hype for them around the Tour de France Femmes next year. Um, have you had a, much of a look at the course and do you have any thoughts about it so far? Yeah, I was speaking um, with them just a couple of days ago actually about the Tour de France Femmes um, and, of, yeah, as you said, they're, they're very excited and I think it's going to be one of the main goals of next year. Um, yeah, for me personally, I think uh, it's probably not a race that I can be a GC rider for, but we've got other girls on the team that are definitely capable of that. Um, but yeah, I have had a look, look at some of the stages and I think there's some nice, like classic style stages that I might be able to aim for. Yeah, I think so. I think your name's definitely on a few of them, but I was really excited to see a range of stages and I think a lot of Australian riders have a good shot at getting some results. You know, we've got Chloe for the sprints, we've got you for the classic stage, we've got Spratty for the, the mountain days, not to mention all the other depth of talent that we have across all of those stages. I think Australian women's cycling is in a really healthy place right now. Um, yeah. And leading on from that, the, you were part of the Australian cycling team this year for the Olympic Games, um, yeah. which is really cool. It was a slightly different Olympics to normal, but, I, yeah, I want you to tell us a little bit about your experience there. Like this was your first Olympic Games too, so I guess you didn't have a lot to compare it to, but was it a good experience um, despite the, the COVID implications? Yeah, it was It was a positive experience. I obviously it would be nice to do an Olympics in normal times and have a bit more of that, um, yeah, that sort of true Olympic experience being in the village and, um, yeah, meeting people from other sports and other nations a bit more. Um, we, yeah, all the cycling nations were in, I think, spread across two hotels. So it felt a lot like we were at another just another race in the season um apart from the fact that the men's teams were also there so um we got to interact with them a bit which was fun but um yeah though around the race like it felt it didn't feel super special like there were lots of rules and um we were quite restricted we spent a lot of time in our rooms um but I think for the actual events, there was still that, like, special hype. And we were very lucky um, because we were racing on the road and outside of Tokyo that we actually got fans at our events. So I think we're one of the few sports that got that. And, yeah, especially in the road race, 
like the sides of the roads were just like packed with spectators, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, just being with the Aussie team and like we were together for two weeks, um, just working together. It was like a really nice sort of small team um, atmosphere where we, yeah, we were in it in it all together, which was really cool. Yeah, nice. And do you think that um, having done that now, do you feel like that was an important experience for you, like dealing with the pressure of it all and going forward into other major events? Because you've, you've proven that you're more than capable of being a contender for a medal at the Olympic level and the world championship level. So do you think that was a really valuable experience for you? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely made me hungry for more, like being on in that fourth position in the time trial and knowing that, you know, the podium is within grasp. Um, yeah, that's, that's really motivating for all any like future championship event for the worlds for, um, yeah, we've got com games. It's probably not that important to anyone, but Australia and like the UK, but, um, we've got that coming up next year. And then, yeah, obviously, like, if if I can still stick around until Paris, like, that will be awesome to, to have another crack at getting an Olympic medal. Cool. Well, that was definitely one of my questions, if you were <laughs> going to try and stick around for the next game. So that's good to know. Um, so you really showed this amazing quality in time trialling, like, fourth at an Olympic Games is absolutely incredible. And you've had a you know, a good showing in other time trials from nationals all the way up to world championship level. So are you really going to keep focusing on the time trial and, and is your new team going to keep supporting that as well? Yeah, definitely. They're motivated to um, support me to continue building that strength. I think it's like it's a difficult um, thing to balance a little bit alongside the road racing, especially in the first half of the year when you've got so many one-day races, you don't have, like, blocks of time that you can really um, work on the time trial. But I feel each year I sort of have this, like, build into a championship event or something like that where I really focus um, on my time trialling and, you know, learn a little bit extra. Um, Yeah, you have to be quite um I guess detail oriented in the time trial which isn't necessarily natural to me but um yeah there's there's so many aspects that you need to bring into the mix and I think if if there's certain things that don't interest you it's like really good to have other people on board to um yeah to look after those things for you like all the mechanical stuff and aerodynamics um it's good to build a team around you to to really sort that stuff out yeah I really agree with that like as a time trialist you definitely need a great engine but it's it is really specific you need to spend time on your bike and you need to dial down every single detail because it is about the seconds um so do you have any good mentors there or like as you say how many people are in your team like how many people does it take to be a good time trialist yeah at the moment uh, I guess like there's a there's a few staff members that were with Green Edge um particularly Pat Ryan he helped me a lot in the time trial um 
So there's some people that I need to, I guess, find replacements for and also, you know, the the person that follows me in the team car has traditionally been Gene Bates, but um, he's stepping away from that role. So I'm going to have a bit of a mix-up um, in the next year or so. But, yeah, I, I feel confident that I'll be able to find, yeah, good people to fill those um, roles and, yeah, people. I think I need to do a little bit more work on um, getting my position right and I've got, yeah, good good people that, um, are already looking at that so it's yeah it's a, a fair bit of work but you just need to chip away at it and like find little bits of time to think about it um, along the way. Yeah for sure well we see in the UK and America like they have quite a lot of popularity surrounding individual time trials and they just seem to have a bit of a better depth there instead of just one or two really good people and in mm. Australia it's that opposite. It's like we, we usually have one or two stars at a time that get all the support, which they deserve, but do you think that there needs to be a bit of a bigger push to get more people into time trialling and a bit more support there in Australia? Yeah, I think so. Like now that I'm where I am, I get great support, but um, to get here it was completely off my own back. I really pushed um, and put my hand up to be a time trialist um, and did a lot of the early work myself. Like I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't really have anyone being like, hey, you're great at time trialing, let's um, make you better. It wasn't until basically until, um, yeah, I got fifth at the world champs in Imola that I really got that much help. Um, so it's like how do you get to you know, that level of coming fifth at the world championships without uh, a ton of support. Like it's, um, yeah, you need, you. they need a bit more of a pathway to develop time trialists, I think, in Australia, um, which I think things are changing. So hopefully that becomes a bit more of a priority, especially since, you know, it's, it's an event that if you do, if you put a lot of work into, you you know, it's more controllable and the chance of getting medals is maybe higher than a road race where, you know, there's like 150, it's like one in 150 almost. But, yeah, so hopefully there's a bit more in that. <laughs> yep. And you're mentioning that you're going to have to kind of reassess who's in your support network because you're changing teams and this is, quite a common thing and I think a lot of people take for granted who's in their support networks and it's something that I've always really tried to you know get people to think about if they're a young rider um, you've had a coach uh, Flick Wardlaw for a long time and I hope you'll be taking her along with a ride with you to this <laughs> yeah. next team and I think that's um, yeah really cool to have people that aren't in your pro team to be in your support network because you might change teams. So um, going on from that too, like you were 
part of the NRS and I've been really lucky to have a few conversations with local writers and domestic level writers this year and trying to figure out, you know, what their needs are to get to that next level. But I actually didn't race much NRS, but you did. You were part of the Holden team for a little yeah. while and you were really successful. Um, you got picked up by Wiggle before you going on to Bike Exchange. So um, I'd really like to ask you some questions um, because of the pathway you took um, that I've been getting from some of these domestic women. Um, I, I've talked to them a little bit about support networks, which you've highlighted nicely today, but some other questions um, that I've been getting is, you know, how do you stay motivated? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've been thinking about this you know, a bit recently because I've, the hardest point in the whole season to be motivated is coming off off-season, like the build back to fitness and especially in summer in Australia when everyone's doing fun things and you want to do all the fun things as well. Um, but, yeah, I think one, yeah, one of the best things is having um, when you're not feeling motivated is like, finding other people to train with. Um, so at least you're just getting out on the road and then, you know, if they go a bit further, you might go a bit further too. Um, and for me, like if I'm on my, if I'm training on my own, I find it really hard to just do like long endurance rides. Like I need to break it up into, you know, maybe have some intervals, even if they're not hard, like at this stage of the year I'll do just like tempo intervals, which aren't hard, but it's just like breaks the ride up. I'm like riding out somewhere, doing my intervals and then coming back and it goes a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah, I guess overall like you have those goals in the back of your mind that like, you know, I want to be in a position where I'm going to be competitive um, at, at my target events next year and I need to like I know that I need to put in the groundwork now um and I think like that those long-term goals really they really motivate me like knowing that um the hard work does pay off in the end but yeah it can be hard like day to day I think finding the motivation and then when I get fit I've I, I don't need as much motivation because I actually enjoy like going out and smashing myself a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important for young riders and not even young riders, but riders that are developing to hear from people like you that, you know, you don't have to love every day. It's just more no. of a, a net effect. Like, yeah, big goals are important and yeah. just putting in the work and, and finding ways that suit you. Like some yeah. things might suit you but not others. So, and yeah, sometimes it's literally just ticking it off the list. Like I've got training on my list today. I'm just going to go and tick it off. Like it doesn't have to be good, um, but it's done. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. We love to tick things off. That's why we have streaks on the mindfulness apps. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another good question I've been getting is um, how do you deal with pressure? And you've seen the, the most pressure of it all going to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, this, that's, I don't know, I quite, um, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I don't find pressure 
um, too bad. Like I turn it into a motivation in a way. Um, like if I'm going into a race that I have pressure, like obviously it means that that's a race that other people think that I can do well at. So um, like I I want to support that pressure. I think I turn it into like a bit of a positive thing in my mind. Um, and also not, yeah, like you, I don't know. I always see like race opportunities as like this, this is, this is somewhere where I can do really well, but if I don't do well, it's not the end of the world. Like that it's like, you can win, but you're not going to lose. Like it, there's, yeah, I, I don't get too disappointed if I don't like hit a goal um, because there's always another opportunity and, and also going back to that support network, if you've got a strong support network, then you know that, like, whether you do well or not, they'll still be there. Everyone will still love you. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really agree with that. I think that's important to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And another question that kind of goes along with that too is, like, how do you stop comparing yourself to others? Yeah, that's tricky Um, because, yeah, the nature of competition is uh, comparing yourself to other people because you're going head-to-head. But I think if, yeah, if you just, like, focus on your own self-improvement and think, you know, all I have control over is how good I am and I want to make the best out of me, um, then it's a lot easier. And knowing that just because someone else, like, yeah, sometimes I get a little bit caught up in, you know, when people are posting their training on like Strava or Instagram and it seems like they're doing so much more than me. Um, And I'm like, oh, no, I'm like getting behind in my training. They're going to like smash me or whatever. Um, and then I have to remind myself that like that type of training doesn't actually work for me. Like I, I don't need to do huge volume to be good. Like I just need to do like, um, higher intensity stuff. So each individual person has like a different way to be their best. Um, so seeing what someone else is doing and thinking that you have to do the same isn't isn't actually helpful. Um, You need to find out what works for you and focus on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's some really great advice, Grace. I think some people are going to take a lot away from what you're saying today. Uh, Lastly, this is a hard question, maybe not as hard as the other questions, but something that I've been getting asked a bit is like, how do you stop thinking about crashing? Like I think a lot of young women are struggling with that thought of crashing and being in bunches and and that was effectively what finished your season this year and how has that affected you and how do you think about crashing yeah this has been like a big one for me my whole career really like um I've had periods where I've been really scared of crashing and it's been like a massive block um in some races and yeah I've worked with um 
a sports psych a little bit to, to, you know, get past that. And one of the best things, um, we like tried a few different tactics, but one of the best things that's worked for me in like the recent, you know, like the last year and a half or so has been um, like in a race where you get to that point and you're like, man, this is really scary. Like, you know, I feel really on edge and it's like like you're visualising like the peloton just like coming down in front of you like um, at certain points. And she taught me that if like when I start to feel that fear, I need to try and um, sort of transform it transform my like automatic reaction from like fear I need to back out of it to fear this is like you know a heightened point um mentally for me and like I'm actually really switched on and when you're in that zone you're actually less likely to crash like when it's those like really intense moments of a race when everyone's like moving around like you feel like it's hectic everyone's like super switched on and those moments are actually less likely that there's going to be crashes than when the peloton's just like sitting around doing nothing um so when I feel like that I go all right this is when I need to move forward not back off and you just like train yourself um train your fear response to be like an action rather than a block that's that's what I've done. I okay. think that's actually great advice. I haven't heard it explained like that before, but it makes complete sense. And, yeah. you know, when you're watching a bike race, you go, what the hell? They're so close together. Oh, my God, because you have no control if you're just watching. Yeah. But when you're yeah. in it, of course, it's a bit scary, but you, you're the one in control more yeah. than not. You, all. you can't control who's going to crash around you, but yeah. you know what you're doing. And I also feel in those moments like, you see everything more clearly like it's like everything slows down a little bit and you're like all right I'm going here and like this is happening and you're like yeah so yeah I've I've struggled a lot um in yeah through periods with that fear of crashing like it's so real and it's not fun to crash um it's not always bad when you do but yeah I think you can work past it and also just working on your skills and being more confident that you can you know react appropriately if something does happen near you like that that gives you a lot of confidence as well Mm, for sure and on the other side of the coin you and I have crashed when we're not concentrating haven't we (laughs) I think that's when you probably do your silliest crashes is when you're not switched on (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's not go into those ones (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's not it's embarrassing um so we're going to wrap up today just with a couple of lighter questions which is what are you looking forward to in this off-season slash pre-season so you've already started to train again now but you know for Aussies it means being back in Australian summer have you got any plans yeah um well my Australia is sort of opening up at the moment. So I haven't yet seen my parents, even though I've been back here like a month and a half, two months almost. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to when they get to come down for Christmas and like spending all that 
yeah, that time around Christmas, New Year's with family and just chilling out a little bit, that's that's going to be the best bit, I think. Yeah, nice. I always love that time of year after the season. Yeah. And um, lastly, what are you looking forward to next year? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I just, I guess, like just joining up with uh, the FDJ team and getting to know everyone and, um, yeah, learning how to race together. I think I'm always, yeah, I'm excited for that sort of new experience and it'll feel a bit, um, I'm sure I'll be nervous to begin with, but, yeah, um, it'll be good. Do you have any targets yet in your mind, any races that you really want to go for? Yeah, I want to have another crack at Flanders, hopefully get the top step. Um, and I had massive FOMO watching Paris-Roubaix from home. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Also a bit scared about it, but, um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm more excited than scared. So <laughs> I think you're going to do great. And I think Paris-Roubaix has your name written all over it, but definitely Flanders. I'm... Yeah, really grateful to have the time to talk to you today, Grace. And I always, you know, love talking to you at the dinner table and in the team bus. So it's been really nice to catch up again. And I'm really excited to follow you next season. So I hope you have a really awesome off-season, pre-season. And yeah, good luck for next year. Thanks, Gracie. Yeah, it's been awesome to have a little catch up. It's been a while, but I'm glad that you're still uh, floating around the cycling scene. <laughs> yeah, definitely floating. <laughs>